Good evening, McDermott Road family. It is such a pleasure to be with you uh, tonight. Um, the only thing that would make this better is if you were really here, and I was really here, and it was tonight, but it is actually Wednesday morning, and we're recording this, and uh, it's always a joy to come to McDermott Road. I love this church. I love this church because of uh, many reasons. I've been coming here since you started, when uh, Tim Piles would uh, ask me to come over regularly, and I've been coming uh, since Wes has been here. I love your preacher, Wes McAdams and Holly and their children, great family. I know that you're blessed. Uh, appreciate Mark and his kind introduction. Mark has been a good friend for uh, many, many years. We have a lot of friends in this church, a lot of people who are very dear to us, family members of folks at Louisville. And so it is always a blessing to be at McDermott Road. We thank you for your work in the kingdom, for your influence, for good, for being a light uh, in a dark world and for all that you do for uh, the Lord. And I'm glad to be able to speak to you tonight from the book of Titus. That is my assignment. I appreciate Wes for uh, this assignment. So I hope you'll open your Bible tonight to uh, Titus. Uh, we're going to really look at uh, two verses and zero in on those two verses. And then we'll look at a number of verses throughout, uh, throughout the text as we go through the study together. Before um, we get to the text. We're going to look at Titus chapter 1, uh, verses 1 and 2. And before we get to the text, I want to tell you a very serious story. Um, this story is found in the Gospel of Luke. Um, you don't have to turn there. I just want to relay the story to you. It is Luke's account of two disciples who were walking to their village on a Sunday afternoon. As they walked, they were discussing the events concerning the death of Jesus. As they continued their walk, they were joined on this walk by a stranger who happened to notice how sad they were, and so he walked along with them. And um, they told the, of how the high priest had delivered Jesus up to be crucified, and then they said, but we were hoping that he was going to be the redeemer of Israel. Now, you know the rest of the story. I don't have to tell it to you. You know that they were talking to Jesus, and eventually they, um, they recognized that they were talking to Jesus after he left. But I want you to notice that statement that they made. They said these words to Jesus. Have you ever wondered, have you ever thought about, what if you could talk to Jesus? What would you say to him? If you could say anything, I mean, we're living in tough times, right? Everybody knows that. We don't have to give a, a litany of all that's going on in our world. But have you ever thought about if you could talk to Christ right now, what would you say? What if you were talking to somebody who you respected, but you didn't know it was Jesus? These two men were talking to Christ, and they didn't realize it. And what they said was, our Savior has gone. He has been taken away from us. And we had hoped that he would be the redeemer of Israel. There's nothing so devastating in life as lost hope. For these two men, their hope was gone. Their dreams had been dashed. Their hope had been put on hold. Uh, their expectations were not exceeded on this occasion. Uh, the one who they had hoped to be the redeemer of Israel was um, in their minds dead. And along with the death of Jesus came the death of hope for these individuals. We've all lost hope at some point in our life. Uh, maybe you had some hopes and dreams for uh, a marriage that, uh, for whatever reason, it didn't work out. 
Maybe you've had hopes and dreams for your children and they didn't fulfill those dreams. Maybe you've had hopes about a certain job or a career and, and things didn't work out the way you want them to. Maybe you've lost hope because you had expected to have good health all your life, but something happened along the way and it's caused you not to be able to have the health that you want. During those times, perhaps you have wanted to take the advice of Job's wife who told Job, why don't you just curse God and die? Maybe you've questioned God because you've lost your hope. But I want to suggest to you tonight that we should never give up hope. As long as we have faith in Christ, and as long as we trust him, we can have hope. Now, look with me at the book of Titus, chapter 1, and listen to the words beginning in verse 1. Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of those chosen of God and the knowledge of the truth, which is according to godliness. Now listen to these words in verse 2. In the hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie promised long ages ago. Don't you love that statement right there? In the hope of eternal life, which God promised. And he gives to us uh, um, kind of a, a statement, an, a, an objective statement about the, this God who promised hope. He says, this isn't just any God. This isn't some God that man made. This isn't some God that we uh, fashioned in our minds. This is not a God that the world uh, looks at often, but this is the God. And not just the God, but the God who cannot lie. I love the idea that we serve a God who cannot lie. And here's the good news tonight. This God who cannot lie, this God who is the God who cannot lie, is the God who has provided for us an eternal hope, in hope of eternal life. Well, Paul goes on to explain this a little bit more if you look at Titus 1 verse 3. But at the proper time manifested even his word in the proclamation with which I was entrusted according to the commandment of God our Savior. To Titus, my true child, in the common faith, grace and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Savior. Now, Paul is going to use this word hope three different times in this great book. And Paul uses at least two other triad statements and we'll look at these uh, in just a few moments. Um, but Paul is wanting to remind us that when life gets tough, when we go through difficult days, that we need to remember that we serve a God who cannot lie. And that this God who cannot lie has given to us, has promised to us the hope of eternal life. Hope. Hope, let us realize, is necessary to the human spirit. Somebody said it is as necessary to the human spirit as oxygen is to the physical body. When we lose hope, we're overcome with feelings of, of senselessness, of purposelessness, um, hopelessness, and, and despair. A lack of hope can destroy a person's heart. It can, it can destroy a person's commitment. A lack of hope can destroy a person's life. The word hope is found throughout the Bible. As a matter of fact, it's found about 52 times uh, in the New Testament. And if you take time to look at those 52 passages, you will find in every single one of them that it is always connected to God. So what is the Bible telling us? What are the writers saying? Well, they're saying to us that 
what you need in this world is you need hope. And you cannot have hope without God. And so every single time the word hope occurs in the New Testament, it is connected to God. In, uh, throughout the New Testament, I think of passages like Romans 15 verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace. When you have hope, your life is filled with joy. When you have hope, you can have peace in your mind and in your heart. Our God is a God of great hope, and there is a prayer that we may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 16, Paul tells those Thessalonian Christians that he speaks of good hope through grace. We're told in 1 Timothy um, and in Colossians that Christ dwelling in us is our hope of glory. And so over and over again, we see this idea of hope connected to God and connected to Jesus Christ. Hope is something that connects us to the future, just as memories connect us to the past. How do we know what has happened in the past? Well, we know through our memories. We can think back about events and circumstances and situations and people that we've known in our life. And, and uh, that, those memories of the past, uh, those memories connect us to the past. And in the same way, hope connects us to the future. How do we know what will happen in the future? Well, in our own minds, in our own finite ways, we cannot know what will happen in the future. But through Jesus Christ, because of him, because of his work in our world and in our lives, because we serve the God of hope, we can take assurance in the future. One of the definitions that I read for hope as I was thinking about this study is that hope is desire with the expectation of getting what is desired. You cannot hope for something that you don't desire or that you don't expect to receive. Sometimes our hope can be misplaced. Sometimes we place our hope in the wrong people, in the wrong entities, the wrong circumstances. I want to tell you tonight, church, that we should not place our hope in our, on education. We should not place our hope in government. We should not place our hope even in our own family. We should not place our hope only in the church, but we should place our hope always in Jesus, always. There are some people who hope to receive eternal life, but they don't acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, and, and they never live a life of service to him. They never obey him. Some people hope to grow in their walk with God, but they never open the scriptures. They don't, they don't study the Bible. They don't read the word of God. How can you hope to grow in your walk with God if you don't spend time in God's word? How can you hope to grow if you don't spend time surrounding yourself with peoples who will help you, who will encourage you, and who will strengthen you? Well, for the time that we have left tonight, I want to give you two uh, great reasons for hope. This is from the God of hope, the God who cannot lie. And so two primary reasons for hope tonight, and, and they're kind of ingrained throughout the book of Titus. Um, I thought about all kinds of things as I was thinking about Titus. You could talk about elders, you could talk about preachers, you could talk about the church, you could talk about um, living a temperate life, you could talk about the kind of speech we should have, you could talk about um, all types of, of, of ideas and concepts that are found throughout the book of Titus. 
But this idea of hope keeps coming back to being tied to God. And so I want to talk to you about this kind of hope. Two reasons for the type of hope that Paul mentions in Titus chapter 1, verse 2. Number one, we can have hope because we have a God who loves us. I don't believe that we can overemphasize this idea. The reason we can have hope in a world that seems to be hopeless and helpless is because we serve a God who loves us. The promise found in the Bible gives us hope. In Hebrews 13, verse 5, the writer says, For he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. We have a God who loves us. You know what the scriptures say, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know what Paul said in Romans chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, that, that God commended his love for us. He demonstrated his love for us, that even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. You know that the Bible teaches us that God loved us before we were ever born, before we were created. He loved us, in, he loves us in spite of our sin, in spite of our um, inability to do what he wants us to do all the time. We serve a God who loves us. Three times, three times in the book of Titus, Paul mentions the name of God. And each of those times, he uses a phrase, he says a descriptive phrase of God and what he says is, God, our Savior. I want, to, I want you to look with me at, at some of these uh, tonight. First of all, Titus chapter 1, verse 4. To Titus, my true child in common faith, grace and peace. Well, uh, actually go back to verse 3. At the proper time manifested even his word in the proclamation with which I was entrusted according to the commandment of God, our Savior. And so in this passage, uh, Paul is telling us that the link from God to us and the through the hope that we have is the word of God, the commandment of God. Paul says, I was entrusted with the word of God. And it is that word of God that provides for us a hope. If you look at Titus chapter 2, uh, notice verse 10. Paul is in this chapter, he has been talking about our daily walk and he's talking about some, some daily habits and some characteristics that need to be a part of our life. And he's talking about the relationship between older men and younger men and between, uh, uh, between servants and masters. And he says at the end of verse 10, showing all good faith, so now watch this, so that they will adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in every respect. Now, I don't have to tell you that we live in a world that is filled right now with many people who seem to have no hope. They seem to have lost all faith in God and faith in hope and trust in hope. And so what do they need? They need to see Christians who will adorn the doctrine of God, who will adorn the love of God, they need to see, they desperately need to see some beautiful Christians, some Christians who, who don't act like everybody else in the world, some Christians who don't treat people in ungodly ways, some people who love, some Christians who love everybody, every person who has been created in the image of God because they love God. And he said that we should adorn the doctrine of God in every respect. You know what that means to me? 
That means when it comes to our living a godly life and our loving, showing the love of God to people in the world around us, that means that we never get a break from that. We can't take a vacation from living for God. We can't take time out and say, you know, I've been doing this for many, many years now and it's time for somebody else to do it. We must always, always adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior in every respect. And right after that, Paul gives us this famous passage of Scripture in Titus 2 verse 11 where he says, for or because, because when people see Christians who adorn the grace of God, for the, the, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly behavior, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present age. And so he says, we're to adorn the doctrine of God. And then uh, we are to adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in every way. And then if you look at chapter 3, Paul again is writing about uh, godly living in the first part of this passage. He's talking here about, about the way that we live our lives for God. And he, he says in verse 4, But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind has appeared, he saved us not on the basis of deeds that we've done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. And so look at what Paul says here. The kindness of God our Savior has appeared. I want to ask you a question, church. When people look at you, when they look at your life, when they look at how you treat your family, when they look at how you treat people who don't look the same way you do or talk the same way you do or act the same way you do, when they look how you deal with people who are different than you are, I want to ask you tonight to consider this. Do they see the kindness of God? The kindness of God our Savior. Isn't it interesting when, when Paul writes about we are to adorn the doctrine of God that he links that with God our Savior? And when he says that, that people need to see the kindness of God, that he links that with God, our Savior. The greatest reason that we have to offer not only hope for ourselves, but to offer hope for everyone around us is because we serve a God who loves us, God, our Savior. Well, the second thing I want you to notice tonight, based upon the book of Titus, when we think about the hope that God provides for us is... I want you to think about the hope that is available because of the cross of Jesus and the empty tomb. The cross of Jesus and the empty tomb. The cross ought to remind us that, that Jesus loves us supremely. He said himself in John 15, greater love has no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. In Romans chapter 8, verse 32 Paul says, he who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for his all, how shall he not also freely give us all things? We need to remember that there is hope because of the cross of Jesus Christ. When you think about the cross, don't ever forget the hope that is available because of the cross. But we need to think about not only the, the hope that we have because of the cross, but also because of the empty tomb. In Romans chapter 6, I want to read to you what Paul writes beginning in verse 3. Do you not know that as many of us as have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, 
that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly, listen to these words, we shall be uh, in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing that the old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. There's hope because of the resurrection of Jesus. And Paul makes it clear that when you became a child of God, when you gave Jesus Christ your life, that you were buried with Christ, that you died with him, and that you were raised with him to walk a new life. When Paul is writing to the Corinthian Christians in his first letter that we have recorded, chapter 15, he says more than once that we have hope because of the resurrection of Jesus and what Paul says is that if Jesus was not raised from the dead, then we, speaking of the church, then we are of all men most to be pitied. We are most miserable of all men. And so it is the empty tomb that gives us hope. And the hope of the empty tomb reminds us, as Paul would say to these Corinthians in, in chapter 15, that we also will be raised again. When he's writing to the Thessalonians, he says in chapter 4, uh, in beginning in verse, uh, about verse 13, uh, I want you to comfort each other with these words. And the words are that those who are asleep in Jesus will be raised again. And so when we place someone in a tomb, Paul says, I don't want you to be uh, ignorant or unlearned concerning those who have fallen asleep. I don't want you to sorrow like the world sorrows, because you serve a risen Savior, and that risen Savior means that someday our tombs will be empty as well. The empty tomb, the resurrection gives us hope that we no longer have to live a life that is a slave to sin, that just as God rose Christ from the dead, he has raised us up from spiritual death and given us spiritual life. Because the word of God states that if we have obeyed Jesus, we are a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. The empty tomb also assures me of empty life. It gives me hope. It gives me great hope that there is a better life than the one I'm living right now. <laughs> now that's good news, isn't it? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that the life that we're living right now is not all there is? Think about all of the pain and all of the heartache. Think about all of the, the division and the anger. Think about all of the injustice in our world. Think about tonight um, all of the physical pain that we endure. Think about watching someone who you love more than life itself um, be taken away. Aren't you glad? that there's something better than this. We, we will be living in eternity, in a place where there is no death, the Bible says, where there's no pain, where there's no heartache, where there's, a, there's no tears, where there's no separation from loved ones. We'll be living in a place throughout eternity where there will never ever be any more injustice there will never be any more killing. There will never be any more crime. There will never be any more disease. There will never be any more cancer. We have the promise that heaven will be our home. And so in Titus, 
again, Paul mentions the name of Jesus Christ. And in connection with Jesus Christ, he gives a title. Notice with me again, chapter 1, verse 4. To Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God, the Father and Christ Jesus, our Savior. So Paul, again, is going to give us this triad, just as he has spoken of God, our Savior, three times in Titus, once in chapter 1, once in chapter 2, and once in chapter 3. He is also going to speak of Jesus Christ, our Savior. He's going to do that three times as well. And so the first one is chapter 1, verse 4, where he links Jesus Christ with our common faith. You know why we have a common faith? If you've been born again, if you've been washed in the blood, if you've had your sins taken care of, you know why we have a common faith? It is because of Jesus Christ, our Savior. I would remind you tonight that every child of God serves the same Savior. I don't have one Savior, and Wes has another Savior, and you have another Savior. We all serve the same Savior. We have a common faith because Jesus Christ is our Savior. If you turn to Titus chapter 2, notice with me verse 13, where Paul says, looking for the blessed hope in the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So he speaks again of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And because he is our Savior, we are looking for that blessed hope. There it is again. Hope that is available because Jesus Christ is our Savior. And then if you look at verse, or chapter 3, I'm sorry. Chapter 3, I'm going to begin reading in verse 5. He saved us, Paul says, not on the basis of deeds that we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy by the washing of regeneration, and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Now look at verse 6. Whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. God has poured out his salvation. He has poured out the washing of regeneration. He has poured out the renewal of the Holy Spirit on us. Those of us who are his children. Why? Because of Jesus Christ our Savior. Because of Jesus Christ our Savior. We enjoy all of the richness of God. Every blessing that is available to a child of God is available to us because of Jesus Christ, our Savior. So no wonder James would say in James chapter 1, every good gift and, and every perfect gift comes from above and is from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. No wonder Paul writes in Ephesians 1 and he says in verse 3, that we have all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. No wonder the Bible speaks over and over again of all of the richness that we enjoy because we are in Christ. And Paul says here in this passage that we have this blessed hope in the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people of his own possession, zealous for good deeds. And so my friends, we have this blessed hope because of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And what we've seen tonight is that, that we have reasons for hope. The reasons are because we have a loving God who serves us, who, who, who saves us. He is God, our Savior. And we have 
hope because of the crucifixion, because of the cross, and because of the empty tomb that Jesus Christ has poured out all of the riches of God upon us because he is our Savior, because he has redeemed us by his blood. And so in a world where there seems to be little hope, in a world where there seems to be a, not a lot of great expectation for life, I'm here to tell you tonight that if you are a child of God, if you are a servant of King Jesus, you have hope. It is a blessed hope. It is an eternal hope. It is a glorious hope. It is a life-giving hope and a life-changing hope. It is a hope that will sustain you during the darkest days of your life and during the most difficult seasons that you'll ever endure in closing, I want to realize something, that without this God and without Jesus Christ, there is no hope. But with God and with Christ in our life, there is great reason for hope. Someone said years ago that life with Christ is an endless hope, and life without Christ is a hopeless end. Listen to the words again. Paul a bondservant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of those chosen of God and the knowledge of the truth, which is according to godliness, in the hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie promised long ages ago. My prayer for you tonight is that you will hold on to this hope, regardless of what you're dealing with in your life, that this hope will sustain you and it will give renewal to your heart, and it will keep you going through difficult days, that you'll grasp hold of this hope and you'll never let it go. And as long as you hold on to that hope, you'll have peace in your heart, you'll have joy in your life, and you'll have God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and God the Holy Spirit very, very close to you. Let us pray. Father, we live in a world that seems to be hopeless, but we thank you for this enduring hope that you have provided for us. We thank you that we have hope because we have a God who loves us and because we have a Savior who redeemed us. We're thankful for you, God, our Savior. We're thankful for Jesus Christ, our Savior. May we put all of our trust in all of our faith, in all of our needs, in all of our cares, in all of our anxieties, in all of our worries, in all of our concerns in you. And may that hope that we have sustain us, whatever we're dealing with in life, and may it bring peace to our hearts and joy to our lives. In the name of our great Savior, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for allowing me to be with you. I love each and every one of you. May God bless you and may he continually provide this hope in your heart and in your life.